Blog Talk Radio. In these pages, we will be surprised to find pieces of our own stories asking us to know ourselves better, realizing that life goes on, filled with hope and work, progress and achievement in every sector of cosmic life in keeping with God's laws. Dear Kadek Radio listeners, welcome back to And Life Goes On. My name is Francisca Fernbach. And I am Mackenzie Mello. Hi Mackenzie, how are you today? I'm doing all right, ready to start. That's great, we are too. <laughs> so, dear friends, chapter three of the book And Life Goes On by Chic Xavier through the spirit Andre Louis. Last week we were at the door to a close friendship. And today we're going to talk about friendly adjustment. But before we do that, Mackenzie, could you tune us in with an opening prayer, please? Oh, yeah, sure. So if you can at this moment, and if you want to, you can close your eyes as we're doing, so that we can tune in even deeper to the good waves of the thoughts of the spirits who guide us, of those spirits who inspire in us the will to learn, to study, and to practice the teachings of our dear Master Jesus by saying, Dear God, we would like to open our hearts at this very moment so that we can feel you inside there because you are the one who knows about ourselves more than we do it. So, we ask that your light may reach the deep bottom of our hearts to enlighten it so that we can see that you live inside of us, that we know that we are our, your children. And that we have the task of looking at you, of following your laws of love and of harmony. May the peace that you bring to all of us be felt by all of us. And that we, through this peace, be able to understand to learn, but more importantly, to practice the gospel of love, which was brought to us by our Master Jesus, for us to feel one with you, for us to grow and help you build a better place for all of us. May your love 
inspire us in this journey, not only now, but always. So be it. So be it. So, without further ado, let's now listen to the reading of Chapter 3. Enjoy. And life goes on. Chapter 3. A Friendly Adjustment Fantini realized that Evelina was troubled by the look he had given her and hasted to put her at ease. Let's continue, Dona Evelina. I mean you no harm at all. Just look at me. I'm a sick old man, old enough to be your father, and believe me, I see you only as a daughter. His voice faded somewhat, but then he recovered and finished. The daughter I wish I'd had, instead of the one I do. Evelina guessed the hidden pain expressed in his words and tried to put him at ease. You wouldn't be happy with a sick daughter like me, but let's go back to my case, I mean my confession. No sad tales. Right, we don't have a lot of time. And she continued with a playful smile. Since we're speaking with such openness in a place that may be death's doorway for either one of us, I can tell you that there's only one thing that troubles me. I've had the same disappointments as anyone else. My father died when I was barely two years old. My widowed mother gave me a stepfather some time later. While still a child, I was sent to a boarding school run by goodly nuns. After that, I married a husband who was much different than what I had dreamt of. In the middle of our courtship, tragedy struck. Six months before my wedding, a fine young man killed himself because of me. He had attempted suicide once before when he thought I was rejecting him. I felt very sorry for him. I tried to approach him to console him at least, but while my feelings were wavering between him and the man I finally married, he shot himself in the heart. Ever since then, any happiness for me has been like light mixed with darkness. Despite my immense love for my husband, I can't even be a mother. I'm always sick, discouraged, forlorn. Come now, ventured Ernesto, striving to find an optimistic way out for her. Don't blame yourself. If not for you, the fellow would have done the same thing for some other reason. The suicidal impulse, as much as the criminal one? His voice trailed off again, as if deep down he was repressing certain memories that his words were bringing to mind. However, giving the impression that he had gotten them under control, he continued, These are mysteries of the soul. Maybe they're the tip of mental diseases that the spirit has been harboring for a long time. Suicide and crime should be feared by all of us, because they are acts of insanity resulting from deep processes of mental erosion. You're trying to make me feel better with your kindness of heart, said Evelina thoughtfully. You've probably never experienced such an acute problem troubling your conscience. What, me? stuttered Fantini, 
unnerved. Don't remind me of my past, for God's sake. I've made so many mistakes, suffered so many disappointments. And trying to skirt the issue without avoiding it, Ernesto forced a smile with the skill of mature persons who know how to use certain facial expressions for certain psychological effects, adding, Weren't you able to forget the suicide with the help of the confessionary? Didn't your spiritual counselor soothe your sensitive, kind heart? Like I said, I've always found confessing my minor offenses to be a sort of moral vaccine against bigger ones. But in this case, I wasn't able to find the peace of mind I was looking for. I believe that if I hadn't been divided between the two men for such a long time, I could have prevented the disaster. All I have to do is think of the unfortunate Tulio, and the picture of his death flashes back into my mind, and with it comes the guilt. You shouldn't be so distraught. You're still very young. Just like the hand that gradually becomes calloused working in the field, sensitivity hardens by means of life's sufferings. Of course, if we survive the leap we are about to take for our health, we will witness many suicides, disappointments and calamities to come. Mrs. Serpa thought for a few moments, and as if she were trying to use the opportunity to soothe her inner wounds, she asked pointedly, You've been studying the signs of the soul. Do you really believe we will see our loved ones again after we die? Fantini answered obligingly, I don't know why, but your question reminds me of a quote by Shakespeare. The miserable have no other medicine but only hope. I have good reason to believe we will see each other again after we leave this world. However, I realize that my present precarious health may be the setting agent for such a conviction. Have you ever noticed that ideas and words are the offspring of circumstances? Imagine if you and I had found ourselves in the fullness of our physical strength, healthy and attractive, meeting at a social event, a ball for instance, any thoughts about the matters that have now brought us together would be immediately banished from our minds. How true! The disease that afflicts us gives us the right to intertwine new resources and new interpretations concerning life and death, and in the realm of the new ideas lying before us, I believe that life does not end at the grave. We are forced to remember the old cliché in romantic novels. Romance ends, but life goes on. The envelope of flesh will topple over, spent. The spirit, however, will carry on, always forward. Do you ever think of who you'd like to see again in the other life? He smiled enigmatically and mocked. Huh, I can think of somebody I'd rather not. I don't get the pun. Nonetheless, I feel comforted with your certainty about the future. You mustn't and shouldn't lose your trust in the future. Remember that, above all else, you are a Christian, a disciple of a master who rose from the grave on the third day after his death. Mrs. Serpa didn't smile. 
She gazed beyond at the rosy clouds reflecting the setting sun, realizing perhaps that she had been shaken to the depths of her faith by that unexpected comment. After a long pause, she looked at Ernesto again and prepared to say goodbye. Well, Mr. Fantini, if there is another life after this one, and if it is God's will for us to go through the great change before long, I think we shall meet again and be good friends there. And why not? If I happen to foresee the end of my body, I shall keep the positive thought of our meeting firmly in my mind. Me too. When are you going back to Sao Paulo? Tomorrow morning. Has your surgery been scheduled yet? My husband will decide that with the doctor, but I think I shall face it next week. What about you? I'm not sure, but I think it's only a matter of days. I don't want to postpone the surgery. Would you perchance give me the name of your hospital? Evelina thought and thought and concluded. Mr. Fantini, we are both suffering from the same rare and treacherous disease. Isn't that reason enough for us to feel close to each other? Let's await the future without anxiety. If you manage to pull through the ordeal, I'm sure God will grant us another meeting while still here on earth. But if death does come, our friendship in the other world will also be subject to the designs of providence. Ernesto smiled at her remark and both returned to the hotel, walking slowly in heartfelt silence. Translator's Note The quote by Shakespeare is taken from Measure for Measure. So, dear friends, a friendly adjustment. And today, uh, we didn't have that uh, company last time, but Hermine is here today, and I'm pretty sure that she will make the most meaningful comments. But, as we cannot still understand what she speaks, um, let's start by doing what we can do best, which is to read a little bit and to... Uh, get some of the meanings from this conversation, this deep and meaningful conversation between Dona Evelina, as Fantini calls, or Ernesto calls, and Ernesto himself. And as we were left last week, they are still meeting, and like Francisca said in the beginning, he had that uh, friendly meeting, and now they are trying to adjust themselves to themselves. We We know... Uh, by what we just read and what we just heard that you know they're about to leave in a few days the the place where they are and they will, they are not sure if they're going to see each other again but uh before we get to that point uh we we were left that last week with um Evelina wanted to tell her her story or a little bit of her story that we already know a little bit because we we saw her thoughts through the the lines of Andrew Lewis, 
but Ernesto doesn't know anything. So she's about to tell, and they had that that bit of a moment when they looked at each other, and they were like um, a little bit disconcerted because they didn't know what their looks mean meant to each other. And that's how the chapter starts um, uh, with Ernesto uh, telling her, "Hey, don't don't worry, Evelina. I'm I'm, I'm looking at you as you were my my daughter." Um, and I wish I had a daughter like you because uh, the one I have is not as good to me as as I wish she were. And um, she feels in, in him the pain that those words um, are inflicting in him. And she, on the other hand, trying to make him at ease, making him m more comfortable says, oh, I'm just too sick. Uh, you would not be happy to have a daughter like me the way I am right now. But let's let's come back to my to my confession so that he doesn't uh, focus too much on his own pain, which is, uh, uh, and we talked about this before in some of the previous books, uh, when we don't focus too much on ourselves and we focus on the other person, when we focus on the pain of the other person, we tend to forget our own pain to help the other one. And then our pain becomes less important. And this is something that's really interesting here because they do it both, they do it to themselves. I mean, when she's in pain, he tries to to make her uh, leave the focus on her pain and think about something else, and he and she does the same thing to him. So this is something that's really important for us to to see uh, when we are in uh, having a problem. It's to try to lose the focus from our problem, and that's why when Jesus says, "Love your neighbor," right? So it's for us to to a certain degree. Release the focus from ourselves. Release the focus from my suffering and, and try to uh, reduce the suffering from, from our neighbor, from our friend. So it's to get out of ourselves and go into the other. I remember, and I wouldn't remember the quote perfectly, my mind for those specific things are very, very uh, weak. I, I can't really remember but in one of the uh, the first Sandra Lewis books, I'm not sure if in Solar or in in The Messengers, and if Fran uh, remembers, she can come in and say something later. But um, he says that specifically, right? At one point, he says, oh, let's not focus on your problem. Let's focus on the other problem. When we focus on the other person's problem, the other spirit's problem, you're, you, you're going to see that your problem will be way lower of way lower importance than what you see it right now because that's the only thing that you're focusing right now. So uh, it's not that your problem is not important. It is important. If, we, if it's a problem, it needs to be solved. But by just sticking on that uh, little thing and because it's inside of ourselves, it is usually very, very hard to not to be engulfed by it and and then forgetting about the the whole world that is also suffering as much sometimes as uh, as we are doing at that specific moment um and then she starts to to tell a little bit of her story right friend yeah that's right mackenzie so evelina starts saying there's only one big thing that troubles her 
after her father died when she was only two. She had a stepfather and was sent to boarding school, uh, married quite young. But the first thing is that she, the husband turned out not to be exactly how she had dreamed of. And opening in a parenthesis here is the question, well, what picture do we paint from the person we're going to marry, right? Is it really the prince in the tales? Or are we realistic in not only knowing that we do have our flaws and, you know, whoever marries us will have to deal with them? <laughs> but also, right, we can't. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> And also, you know, that you know, we're not living in a perfect world. So that perfect human being we might dream of um, in our ideal world, most likely we won't find him here. So it's a question of a re reality check. What do we expect of others? And especially, can we give to others that what we expect from them? But this is for us all to, to reflect on. The, the the trouble really is that she was wavering between two men before she married married Caio Serpa. Now we learn that the other's name was Tulio, and he had attempted suicide when he felt rejected by her. And as far as she knows. She tried to console him, and she felt very sorry for him, um, and still had was caught in between him and the man she married. But that at that time, he shot himself in the heart. And there was a point, like a turning point in her life, because she feels, at least to a certain extent, responsible for that suicide. Her life was like... Light mixed with darkness. And we've talked about it, especially in Sex and Destiny, a lot about our responsibility in the emotions and feelings we instill in others. Because it's not just, and in that case, she, like she describes it herself, she says, you know, I was wavering in between. She was going back and forth. So, we wouldn't want anybody to do that to us, but also it's inflicting feelings or motivating, how we can say, increasing maybe feelings of love that tool you had for her, which were then frustrated because she chose Caio. But we will learn about that more and more details later on in the book. But she said she still loves her husband a lot and was very frustrated not to be able to be a mother. And I'd like to stop here for a second as well, because in analyzing with the lens of spiritism, we learn that we all come here to Earth, or whichever planet it may be, we reincarnate with a mission. And a mission doesn't have to be like changing the world. But the mission is sometimes to be a father, sometimes to be a mother, sometimes not to be a father and not to be a mother. So if we are subjecting ourselves to God's will, and if we trust in divine providence, we don't expect automatically just because we are a woman that we're going to be a mother. 
but I know in society, in a way, we are taught that, you know, one of the reasons to be a woman is to become a mother, although many people don't choose to be nowadays. But if you look like in in the greater scale, we don't know exactly, or let's put it another way, if we have trouble being a mother, maybe it's a sign that this is not part of the plan for this life. Right, Mackenzie? Yeah, that's exactly right. Is uh, is our choice uh, what to feel with whatever it is? And maybe a person doesn't want to be a mother and all of a sudden is a mother uh, without even knowing and having some protection and so on. How many how many people I I've met and uh, you met and a lot of stories similarly that the person, oh, I don't want to be a mother right now, maybe later, and then all of a sudden, because, I don't know, the pill didn't work or something didn't work, then uh, the person becomes a mother. And uh, we have to deal to learn how to deal with it. And that's that's the thing. It's not about, and that's what I think it's it's a big point here in in situations similar to to that, not only of being a mother, but any other type of situation, that happens with us is for us to, like you were saying, if we trust in divine providence, maybe what I want is not the best for me. So I need to learn how to deal and what to do with uh, with what life gives me, because that's maybe what I need for my personal development, for my personal growth. Right? We talk about uh, diseases, for example. Right, and that's what she says. I'm always sick, discouraged, forlorn. Why is she sick? Right? Why is she is she discouraged? So, is it a choice, or is it something that is is given to her? The the sickness may be not a choice, but the discouragement is ours. So, of course, it is hard, and nobody says it isn't hard. But it's it's for us to learn how to deal with it. Otherwise. We would never grow if we were expecting everything to be our way. Can we imagine what um, the world would be if everybody was granted what they wished and what they hoped for all the time? Then probably everybody would be would be dead, right? Because we wish so many, unfortunately, we have so many people that wish so many bad things to other people. Um, how, what, what would happen to the world? So... Whatever the situation we are living in, we have to, of course, we are not just going to bow down and, 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 and just accept it without a little bit of a fight or really a wish and a hope for a better situation for myself. But sometimes we cannot change it. And if we force the change, then something bad can happen, not only to ourselves, but to other people. So it's not about accepting just blindly accepting no we can actually ask for a different thing but we have to be open to be to to know that okay so that's not what i was uh, supposed to be and then i can use whatever i have to build something else just like people say you know if um uh, there's this old saying or this saying that i heard some people use and they say oh, if people are throwing rocks at you 
you know, save the rocks to build your own wall or to build your own castle, to build your own house. So it's, it's, it depends on, on us. It doesn't depend on, on life. And that's what Ernesto says. Hey, look, uh, don't blame yourself. And like, like we were saying in the beginning, friend, uh, one starts to go deep and deep and deep down their sorrows and their pains. And the other one here comes and says, Hey, look, um, don't blame yourself. You really don't know what, what could have happened. He, he, he takes, tries to take her out of that situation, you know. You're, we know and, and completely agree with you. We are responsible for what we make other people feel. But we actually never know exactly what, what happens and, and how it happens. So we can try not to do it anymore, but to dwell and to live on that feeling all the time, it doesn't make me grow. So that's what Ernesto is trying to do, trying to make her get out of that situation, say, hey, you don't need to, to go and, and live there. You know, just try to do it differently from now on. Whatever was made, just try to, to remake or to rebuild or to, you know, destroy that old blame and then try to do something else, move on, right? And that's what he when he says the suicidal impulse as much as the criminal one, and then he stops uh, as if he is remembering something as as if he is thinking of of something but he doesn't want to 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 let it go to for her to know what it is so he he takes control again and then uh once again he was you know the way she was she was deep down in her uh problems and now once he starts talking he starts to trail off and go down into his own uh sad past but then he takes control because she he is actually thinking about her you know she's not going to talk about him right now he's going to talk about her and so that they can keep moving and but of course he remembers what he what he did and we don't know what he did he will probably uh, we we will certainly know more about it later on in the book uh, but then he says suicide and crime should be feared by all of us because they are acts of insanity resulting from deep processes of mental erosion. So this is really important for us here, uh, not to judge others, not to say this to other people, right, to say that you should fear because you committed a suicide or something. No, it's the other way around. It's for us to learn to take these ideas out of our minds because um, and try not to get to, to those because they are acts of insanity. They are acts of from which we cannot escape. Uh, we can uh, we can escape, quote unquote, here from from earthly justice, but we cannot escape from our own uh, conscious justice, our own blame and guilt for having done those things. Uh, we will suffer way way more because we are actually destroying other people's lives and in in this case of the suicide destroying our own lives so these are thoughts we should we should not harbor we should not have we should send them far away and exchange them for the idea of giving life to other people and then Avelina says that uh, oh you're so, such a kind person you're you're trying to to raise me up from where i am and of course he will say that, uh, uh, don't remind me of my past. I've made so many mistakes, suffered so many disappointments, and who hasn't, right? And But even so, they are right there, and they are talking to each other, 
and they are trying to relieve each other and that's what friendship is right they're building this friendship and trying to not to say that the other one doesn't have anything to blame uh, for and that the other person is not uh, has not committed a mistake no but to to make us you know feel better so that we can raise and move on and let's not do it again let's do it right this time right Fred yeah that's right because the life life is happening right now and dwelling in the past having a guilty conscience doesn't bring us forward doesn't create or build we're not able to build a better future for us if we do that and hanging in the future as well is keeping us from seeing what is here right now and they are experiencing the start of this beautiful friendship and you know he replies saying you know i'm when she innocently asked you know i'm sure you never had any problems like this he said oh you know you don't know me so it's like she starts to make this perfect picture of him we will get to know him later on and of course now at that moment he is offering her um this friendship and this comfort so for her he is um he treats her very well let's put it that way um but then she he starts to to probe him to pro sorry he starts to probe her saying you know what but um weren't you able to forget the suicide with confession and he digs deeper into her face and she says well you know minor offenses confessing the minor ones was always like a vaccine against bigger ones but in that case i wasn't able to find inner peace i was looking for and then she repeats saying you know i believe if i hadn't been divided between the two of them i could have prevented the disaster and she's showing us the power of the mind and of the thought once more saying all i have to do is to think of the unfortunate Tulio, and the picture of his death flashes back into my mind and with it comes the guilt so that is what we remember back andrew lewis as soon as when he was in nosolar as soon as he started thinking about his own pain his family pictures came back in his mind and boom so it's important to to learn to forgive ourselves but more about that later as well and he continues with his kindness offering her comfort you know you know you should forgive yourself and um you know he says you know life if we survive the surgery we will see many of those calamities in humanity and then she uses this moment like trying to soothe her inner wounds asking do you do you really think or do you really believe we will see our loved ones again after we die so there's a connection because somebody who whom she loved Tulio has died and she thinks well will i see him again or not and he answers um you know rem- coming up with a quote by Shakespeare the miserable have no other medicine but only hope but he says you know i have good reasons to believe that it is true but i know as well that and that was that we were discussing last week my state of health could be 
the cause for me accepting these beliefs right now. Because we are, the circumstances and the ideas we have are connected. We talked about it quite a bit last week. So he's just saying, you know, if he had met in other circumstances, we would never, never talk about things like this. And he brings up another cliche saying, you know, in, in no, romantic novels, it's like romance ends, but life goes on. And in a way, it's true because it's a never-ending circle, right? Every end is a new beginning. You know, if we have one romance and it doesn't work out, then yes, we're sad, but life continues. And maybe one day we will meet somebody with whom we can share our lives or if a job ends, etc. All the circles end, you know, kindergarten ends and then primary school, secondary school, all little circles in our lives that it's a constant ending and beginning. So there's for us the question, why are we struggling so much with what we see as the biggest ending at all, which is death or discarnation? But they are, and he repeats very sharp, you know, the envelope of flesh will topple over, spent. The spirit, however, will carry on always forward. And she's curious. I would say that it's curious, Jasmine. Do you know whom you would like to meet in the other world? If there is a other world, because it's in italics here in the book. Hmm. And he smiles saying, oh, I know somebody whom I'd rather <laughs> not meet. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and she feels comforted with the thought while allowing herself this possibility, at least. She feels comforted um, by his certainty about the future. And then he brings a big lesson, Mackenzie. Yeah, it is a big, big lesson, friend. And um, um, it is something that we usually don't tend to think about it that much. And uh, when I say I, uh, that we don't tend to think, and uh, I'm including the spiritists themselves, not only Christians, um, as he says it here. And I'm going to read it because it's a powerful, powerful quote from the book. You mustn't, says Ernesto, and shouldn't lose your trust in the future. Remember that, above all else, you are a Christian, a disciple of a master who rose from the grave on the third day after his death. So this is such a powerful image because we tend to, to more, more to see Jesus um, represented by the cross in you know nailed to the cross but the message of the cross if we can take it is that he survived the cross and despite all the problems that we are living despite all the difficulties all the pain that we that we have we will survive just like you you said romance ends but life goes on and it's that circle but and i like the image of of, if we look at the circle from from top, so we see the round of the circle, it's like we are going round and round and round. But actually, these circles are growing as time passes. So it is as if at the end of every cycle, like you were saying, from the third grade to the fourth grade, 
the the circle is getting bigger. So it's like a spiral, right? It's growing, it's growing. And we are supposed to be growing up and upwards and upwards. And just like uh, Jesus showed us, showed it to us. And that's what, uh, and, and by being a Catholic, as she said, not a uh, fanatic, but a Catholic that goes, practices, talks to the priests, uh, apparently, she she had never thought about that, right? And uh, and and now that will open up, and that opens up her her mind, her eyes to a different perspective of life. And this is such a powerful thing, you know. He survived the cross. He came, rose, spoke to the disciples again, spoke to the apostles, and gave them the message that life goes on, that the kingdom, that his kingdom is not of this world. And that's what we study here. That's what we are seeing here. It's life never ends and life goes on, right? And uh, that's that's where we, we get to the to the point of, of, of this, uh, this chapter here, uh, it, which is also very interesting, friend, because he wants to know where she's going to be right what's the the hospital and all that all those things and and now she is the one who says look um isn't it better that and and we know that if we survive we can find ourselves again so let's leave it that way let's not let's not make it different let's let's really trust that let's and let's see if that is if that is true, and if we uh, survive, if we um, really live, we will be able to meet again, right? And and that's that's where we uh, uh, that's where basically where we we finish the chapter. If death come, if death comes, does come, our friendship in the other world will also be subject to the designs of providence and then Ernesto smiles right because he uh, was maybe he thought that he was teaching her something but now she really starts to think about it and say hey let's then give this trust you know to ourselves let's really trust that and um, hopefully we will meet again and of course we are only on chapter 3 but I'm pretty sure that our listeners already read a bunch of the book, if not the whole book. So we know that they will they will meet again. They will have a lot more to talk about. And uh, certainly, friend, we will have a lot more to talk about in this book and in the chapters to come. Uh, right? Yeah, that's right. And this leads us to just give a little preview, the name of chapter 4 is Renewal. So after all those deep thoughts and ponderings, which we now invite us all to start practicing a little bit more in our own lives, we will be back here on Kardec Radio next week to talk about the book and life goes on. Have a great week, everyone. Many blessings. See you next time.